Welcome everybody to the first episode of the International Week Podcast. This episode is titled Dealing with Representation. Um, so let me talk a little bit about the podcast. So the International Week Podcast is going to be a space where different international students, um, prospective ones, as well as current international students could get um, a glimpse of the life of international students in the U.S. or abroad. And so this week, I am joined by my colleague and dear friend, Makita. Welcome to the show, Makita. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Rosie. You're welcome. Okay, so let me um, say a little bit about your background, and then we can delve into our conversation. Cool. So Makita is from Addis Ababa. She attended Addis Ababa University Law School. She then went to Boston College School of Law, where she received her LLM in human rights, and she is currently working within the Ethiopian judiciary. So, as the episode is titled Dealing with Representation, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word representation? Um, well, when you see, I guess uh, representation can be culturally, identity-wise, um, and, well, in our context, like, uh, representing your country. Okay. So, can you talk a little bit about um, some of the things that you faced where you were representing your culture, your Ethiopian culture, in the school that you went to? Any stories that you want to share um, where you felt like you had to represent your culture? <clears throat> well, um, okay, Sure. So in my experience, um, not only I was I, I was I the only Ethiopian um, MLM student, but I was um, also the only female plus black and African. There was one um, African. Uh, he's he was from Uganda. Yeah, mm -hmm. but th that was it. Mm -hmm. So, so we not only did I have to represent. Um, my country at the same time like when we were talking about the law and everything mm -hmm. because everybody of course you have to share like what the perspective like the of the Ethiopian of the Ethiopian legal system as well but you have to represent like the best you have to be the best at everything mm -hmm. so as much as possible because you don't want to get a uh, bad rep mm. for your uh, for your country right mm -hmm. so well in my experience at Smith um when I first went there, so as of first year, we had the um, International Students Peer Orientation, which was the orientation specifically for international students before the orientation for the domestic U.S. students. Yeah, we had one of those too. Right? Mm -hmm. So that was like <clears throat> the introduction to the life of an international student that I got because that's where I met most of my friends who were from like all over the world. And I was the only Ethiopian in my class so it was class of 2019 and I was the only Ethiopian but when I was a junior in college so Smith started accepting more Ethiopians so I think the maximum we were was 11 but then like my senior year it went down when like people started graduating I think the minimum we were was four but that's out of a total of I think 2,000 or 3,000 students of the college population so I think like to put like to help us put things in perspective, like what was your student body size? Um, so the LM class of uh, I don't remember, but maybe twenty. 
Mm-hmm. Just the LLM, but mm-hmm. we're part of the JD students. So that was uh, there. There's one L two, L three, L so like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't maybe three hundred. I don't know the total class, but, but a lot. Mm-hmm. Of course, there. I was the only Ethiopian, mm-hmm. but I was the only <laughs> African as well. No, I'm black African as well mm-hmm. from Africa, including the the you uh, the Ugandan mm-hmm. person. Um, but I mean, yeah, I can't expect, of course, to to have a lot of Ethiopians go abroad and study. That's not a fair thing to ask. Mm-hmm. But what I was surprised more is the diversity of the population population because um, there were, I think, overall, including the LLM class, we were about five or six black people. Mm-hmm. So that was shocking for me. I, I again, I will not even expect people from Africa to be there. But, I mean, <laughs> at least it, it would have been nice to see people that look like you and part of the being the student body. Mm-hmm. And because for us, I think, for me at least, it was a little bit, um, not a culture shock to per se because I've traveled before, mm-hmm. but it was definitely, like I started being more conscious of my color for the first time. And as you know, uh-huh. We're from a country where, of course, everybody's black. Mm-hmm. So it was black was just a color. Then I had to sort of deal with the idea that it was that it's going to be my identity as well mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. That I will be identified by that. So just yeah. So would you say that as an Ethiopian um, living and studying abroad, that you faced some like you felt like you were given a new identity as like black because that's how the u.s sees you oh definitely most definitely but yeah that was that was actually first it was a it was a bit of a struggle Mm -hmm. to accept that to be identified as black why was that a struggle for you oh because i'm not used to it okay um and because we come from a culture where black is just black it's Mm -hmm. just a color Mm -hmm. and then uh, (laughs) and you know when when i actually uh, when i went there it was at the time where Trump was elected. Wow. So 2016? Yeah. Okay. Um, I was there. So that was... It, it kind of give like... So a black immigrant as well. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of layer to my identity, mm-hmm. which I had to be very conscious about at one point. Mm-hmm. So it was hard. It was, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a hard... Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was kind of... It was a very interesting thing to cope with. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of... Um, Ethiopians face that dilemma when they go abroad, especially in the U.S. context where um, the history and the slavery plays a role in creating those social structures where like people are grouped based on mm-hmm. the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I guess moving on to my next question, which will be, have you ever received any interesting questions about your identity, about your country, about your culture? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, oh, I think, okay, the most interesting question is, is uh, what do you eat? <laughs> what do you eat? Yeah. So, okay, can you explain? <laughs> I don't know why she asked me that. So uh-huh. I had to really, I was confused. I don't know, maybe it might be uh, something innocent. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she asked me, what do we eat? <laughs> and I told her, food. <laughs> I mean, what I asked her, like, because I kind of didn't want to be rude. So mm-hmm. I just, I asked her to um, a, a little clarify it a bit. So maybe it might be a... Um, how do I put it? Um, 
Maybe she's asking you, uh, what do we culture? Like, what's the culture of food? So, yeah, what's I the ha- food that most yeah, people eat in yeah, Ethiopia? I, yeah, I gave her the benefit of the doubt, so it's okay. Fine. Okay, but I think what is the most interesting thing? <laughs> um, yeah, people said, oh, so since you're from a poor country, mm-hmm. like, how come you're here? I get, I got that like once or two twice. So but how- it wasn't from the. By the way, I just want to clap. It wasn't from the U.S. students. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. it was more from the international students that these questions were coming from. Ah. So that was a little bit. Um, since because we spend most of the time together, so it was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it was hard. Mm-hmm. Not hard. Like yeah, it was very confusing. Mm. Yeah, because I feel like sometimes it's the way people ask questions, not the question itself. You know that tells you what their intentions are. Because if you say it as, you know, you're just curious about someone else's culture, exactly. then you know it's genuine and you'd be happy to share that. Mm-hmm. But then, the are, exactly, so yeah. some people, I don't want to generalize, but like, you know, just people in general, sometimes they ask you in a way that's condescending or that's like trying to get you like to say a specific thing that they could retaliate against you afterwards. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So then maybe like as international students, um, we navigate that, you know, interesting area of identifying yeah. how a question is asked about our culture. Yeah. But, you know, um, we're not just international students, especially when we come from Africa. <laughs> there is the blackness and the stereotype thinking that of what Africa is supposed to look like. Yeah. For example, there's always consistently, even from my professors, it was they were very surprised when I was speaking English. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So they thought I was raised here, uh, like in the where, U.S. Yeah. Or okay. like, um, sorry. Yeah, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Or like, did you have an American teacher? And I was like, no. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we I read books and I just watch movies and I just maybe catch the accent or my English was better more, like com- in comparison to the average Ethiopian. But mm-hmm. I think that was the kind of like, um, for you is basic. It's, it's not a big deal, but for them, it's like wow. You speak English. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And she was looking at my TOEFL results and she's like, wow, you speak English? Yeah. Apparently you do. Mm. Mm. That's interesting that you brought that, you brought that up because, um, so I also went to high school in the U.S. Um, so my junior and senior year of high school. So my junior year, I was taking, um, you know, different classes and the most common question that my teachers, not even the students, but my teachers would ask me was, how come you speak such good English? Oh yeah, <laughs> and so through time, because I got that question so much, I devised an answer. So my answer became, "It's because I had great teachers." That's well, that's a good one. But it was a lie, though. <laughs> I <laughs> they know. didn't know. But it was that was a, a good one, right? And you were kind of giving credit for the country too. That was a good one. Yeah, I just said it's often. because of my teachers. But you know, in reality, I mean, I went to an all-girls school here in Ethiopia, and. I think it was like our own self motivation yeah. to read fiction, to watch movies, and yeah. to challenge ourselves. That you know, that's how we were able to speak another language. Mm. And sometimes it was even better than some of our English mm. teachers. Mm-hmm. So going back to that point of like, have you ever received an interesting question? Maybe I could share some stories as well. So in college, my first year, I was a dishwasher. That was my first job. I was so excited about it because it was the first job where I got real money. So before that, I was in high school. I didn't work. So one time, me and my friend, we were uh, we had our shift, and so we were working. And so our supervisor, she was white, um, 
just came, you know, to supervise how we were you know, doing the job. Are you watching it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And then we're not, I'm not no, we're not gonna be sarcastic. Yeah, no, okay. dishwashing no, is a big serious. deal. Yeah, no, I I really respect <laughs> dishwashing. I love it so much. And so I was working with um, my other international friend who was from Kenya, and so this supervisor saw that we were international students. Yeah. Um, I don't know how she knew we weren't from the U.S. because she could have easily assumed that we were from the U.S. that we were African Americans. But then I guess the accent kind of gives it away. Yeah. So. She continues to ask my friend, I don't know, I mean, she just, okay, I don't know who she asked, to be honest. So she just said, so how did you come here? <laughs> we swam. <laughs> oh my god. It's so funny you say that because my friend from Kenya, she's very funny. She said, um, actually, on a boat. <laughs> That's how we came. And the lady, what was so surprising was she believed her. And she was like, oh, interesting, on a boat, okay, and then left. <laughs> no follow-up questions. No follow-up questions, because she assumed that was true. The and immigrants. So, yeah, okay, on a boat, you come on a boat from Africa, okay, that's how you do it. <laughs> but coming back to the point of, like, getting interesting questions, like, we could talk about all the questions that we've received from people about our country, and it goes on and on and on. But then my follow-up question for that is, like, how do you find the balance of, because... On one side, you want to answer their question because you know they're curious and like they're you know they're they are they're interested in yeah. where you're coming from. So curious, you want to provide yeah. an answer, but then at the same time, you're not the ambassador of your country. You're not the the token. You know what I mean? Like you're not supposed to know every single thing about your country. So how do you decide when to answer and which questions to answer? Oh, that's a good question. Um. I don't know. I think the first thing is I um I I take everything at face value as much as possible unless you're out like outright just insult me. But so I try my best to answer to answer your questions. I really do try. Even the stupid ones. Really. Like for instance stupid ones as in like um for instance uh one of my roommates <laughs> So it was winter, mm -hmm. so as you know, like after the summertime, which we get really, really tan, so during the wintertime, just, you know, you know, my skin will clear out, as will, I think, any black person, mm -hmm. anyone with melanin. Mm -hmm. So she was very, and in her, in her, in her defense, mm -hmm. she, I, I think I was the first black person even for her to meet. Yeah. Okay. Maybe she saw one in, on TV. So she just... She was very curious, so, so she just straight up, sorry. Mm -hmm. No, I just wanted to, like, clarify what you're talking about. So, winter in Boston is very cold. Oh, yeah. There is no light. No light, yep. It's, a, it's probably the time that a lot of people suffer seasonal depression because you don't get the light, the, the sun that you need <laughs> yeah. and that you're used to. And so, during this time, dark-skinned people, especially Ethiopians... <laughs> Our color changes during the season because yeah. if it's winter and you don't get the sun, you start to lighten up. Yeah. And then if it's the summer, you start to darken, right? Which is normal. Which is normal. Okay, now continue your story. Yeah. Oh. So, actually, she didn't ask me. She just straight up touched me. Touched you where? On my cheek. And she just, like, touched it and just, like, check, checked it, like, on her hand. Like, to check something if it came was, off. Yeah. To check if it was makeup? Yeah. Oh, my God. And she just said it. She was like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I was like, okay, 
Okay. That was that was basically the introduction, but I really did not explain it to her. Like, yeah. Like you can't just come up to a person and then just touch them as a property. True, true. But one thing that I had to get used to as well mm -hmm. that will happen, <laughs> especially when it comes to our hair. That will happen. Oh my the god! Let's issue. talk about hair. Can we please talk about hair? Sure. Go for it. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So <laughs> I don't even know where to start with hair. Oh. <laughs> I feel like this is um, something like not only girls but also boys go through mm. because as Ethiopians, I feel like like our hair texture is kind of different than other Africans. But then it depends. We don't know. It depends. It depends. It we depends. can't really generalize. I'm yeah. saying that. Yeah. But There's so many different like in the African community. Yeah. Exactly. But you know, four C type hair, three B, and they have their own like different types, right? Do you know it? What? So your hair texture, it has a, a type. So 4C <laughs> is like the most um, hard to maintain, is what they say. And then there's 3B, which is like... What? Okay, so <laughs> we'll have a conversation after this. Okay, I'll tell you about all the different types of hair. But... I did not know that. Yeah, there are <laughs> classifications of hair type. And where, I'm so, Okay, we can have... No, yes, yeah. yeah, I'll tell you about it afterwards. But, um, so for me and my own personal experience, um, so my hair is naturally curly. Um, <laughs> the type. <laughs> I don't know the type though, okay. but it's just naturally curly. Um, and so during the international students' orientation that I mentioned earlier, it was the first time I went to yeah. school where I met a lot of different people from different places. So I straightened my hair when I went. So I cut my hair and straightened it before I left. Okay, so it was really short and it was really straight. So it was like a French cut, I feel like it was. Oh. But then I had it in a ponytail as well. So, during orientation, people thought I was Indian. Okay. <laughs> and then people would ask me, so which part of India are you from? And then I would get confused. I was like, no, I'm not from India. I'm from Ethiopia. And they're like, wait, what? Ethiopians have this kind of hair? And then they would just automatically go and touch it. And then I was like, oh, okay, you know, this is fine. Yeah. They're just curious. It's fine. But then... I was like, you know, I'm I'm deceiving people. <laughs> like, you know, they're they're not recognizing my true identity because I straightened my hair. Yeah. yeah. So then I decided to not straighten my hair in college afterwards and then I would, you know, curl it all the time or like braid it all the time. And so then, you know, they would be like, Okay, maybe she's not mm. from India. My point being, have you ever had an experience where someone just came to you and touched your hair? Yeah. But like, how many times would you say that happened oh, to you? So how long how long did you live in the U.S. In the U.S. about oh two years I think two, two years. years and a half yeah two years and a half yeah so in those two years and a half how many times <laughs> did someone come and touch your hair okay not a lot okay surprisingly I mean not surprisingly mm -hmm. not a lot but mm -hmm. I at one point you see that's. For me, this is how my experience is very different, maybe from a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Some of the, the majority, like, curiosity came from the international students, which is very, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't from the U.S. students. It was, for with them, it was very regular, maybe because we're LLM as well, we don't really interact together a lot. Mm -hmm. So, she just straight up. So, like, I took a shower. So, mm -hmm. my hair is naturally curly as well. Mm -hmm. So, it was just flat. So, she just came and just, she's like, she was very surprised. 
Then, like, in the afternoon, you know, it's, like, after it's dried up and everything, it just, it's, like, a very miniature, not, not an afro necessarily, but just, like, you know, everywhere. Yeah. Like a baby afro. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Uh And she just came over. She's like, hmm, what do you do to do this? Brush it? (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Wash it? Yeah. (laughs) It's natural. Yeah. And at one point, I just gave up. Mm -hmm. So, like, when her friends came as well, they're very curious. So, she just straight up and just touched it as well. To show them, like, as a demonstration. No, 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 no. Oh. Her friend just came up and touched it as well. Oh, my so God. So I was like, it, it looked up, and I'm like, okay, you know you, you know what? Y'all can touch it. Mm. That's it. it. It was, yeah, it was it was a very odd experience. But I tried my best not to get offended as well. So I was... But how do you not get offended? How I is do it possible? Get, no, I do get offended, mm-hmm. but I'm like, you know what? Maybe they've never seen... Um, an African or a black person before. Yeah. I've... That's probably the case with most people, I feel yeah. like. But I've never seen some people before, but I don't go touch them. Okay, why is that? that? I don't know. I really don't know. So that's why some of the things and the interactions between people, there kind of confuses me. Mm-hmm. So I think that was one of the reasons why as well I, I kind of wanted to go back. Mm-hmm. I don't understand some of it. And I think you have to live there or be born there and understand, like, the whole system, how it operates and how it treats especially uh, black people. Mm-hmm. And it's very... I, I just don't understand it. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do understand the history and the background and everything, but I just don't understand how people cannot see one person as a person, like, mm-hmm. as an individual, as a human being. Yeah. So they tokenize you. They do. Mm-hmm. They do tokenize you. That's interesting. So what are some of the things that you did to help you understand the U.S. system better? Oh, reading reading, reading helps. Let's read. talk about books. What are some of your favorite books to read that you recommend for our listeners? Ooh, okay. I love Just Mercy. Bye. I forgot his name. I know his name. It's Brian Stevenson. Okay. <laughs> He's a Harvard-educated lawyer. Okay. 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 That was a good book. What was it about? Ooh, root. That's I, I it's forgot. a big, it's a deep. Uh, it's about topic, I think or? yeah. It's, no no no. It's about the criminal justice system. Okay. I, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna tell There's you. There's actually a you movie about it. it. Yeah. Um, Michael well, B. Michael Jordan. Jordan. <laughs> That's the only reason why you should exactly. go watch it. <laughs> if you're listening, to not this. as good acting. Just go see him. If you're listening to this, Michael B. Jordan, we are your fans. Okay, moving from on. Ethiopia. I just saw him. <laughs> Probably not gonna listen. <laughs> you never know. You never know. know. Shooting your shot. <laughs> All right. Um, next book. Oh, the new Jim Crow era. I think okay. that's good. But I, I think that's the re- I think that's the two books that I really recommend people should read. I like. Right. I like that. Mm-hmm. I also read the autobiography of Malcolm X. Ooh, that's a good book. Yeah, it was during actually my summer Thick. of junior year. And my senior year, I decided to also take classes on um, the African-American and immigrant experience. And Hmm. it was one of the things we also studied. So his autobiography, it was eye-opening. Like, I recommend that book so much. Yeah. I've never read it, but I, yeah, I think I heard it's a good read. It's a a very good read because it gives you the context and, like, you see it through the lens of a visionary leader, even though at the time he was considered radical. Mm. Um, but then you also see that, you know, people change the ways in which they achieve their goals. Because first he was, you know, for bi- violence and then, <laughs> but then later on he understood like, you know, 
non-violence was the way. Will work. Will work. So then you also see the weaknesses of human beings and even leaders such as, you know, Malcolm X. Yeah. Um, and it was such such a good book. Ooh, I, before I forget, mm-hmm. watch The 13th Amendment uh, by yes. Ava DuVernay. That's 13th? the best. Yeah. 13th. Mm-hmm. It was, that's the best. I agree. It's amazing. I think it's on Netflix, right? It is. Yeah. It's amazing. It was actually part of my criminal justice uh, class. Wow. We watched it together. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> What surprised me the most is the way, so so uh, we saw that movie mm-hmm. and we read the book, uh, Just Mercy, for ah. the class. Then our professor, he kind of had like small groups and we were just having a discussion on it. And the very surprising thing for me is the, after you see that, I, I thought people would be more compassionate. Towards the plight of African Americans, not in just the African Americans in general, but mm. people who are part of the the prison system. I see. Just the whole criminal justice system is just mm-hmm. it's beyond ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it was the complete opposite reaction, and I was I was just like, you look what's happening. Like mm-hmm. people are just going to prison for small petty things, yeah. and you I mean forget like the racism. Mm-hmm. Just see like you. The sentencing, everything is just horrible, and and I could not believe after you see that, and this is this is the product. This is how you you mm-hmm. think, and it kind of made me question <laughs> if I, I I don't know how to put it, mm-hmm. but so let me maybe ask you. So, what were some of the comments that caught you off guard? Well, actually, okay. So one comment that was most surprising was on. So the so yeah. Um, so the, our professor asked us like, what is the most what what intrigues you the most, and how do you feel about the whole criminal justice system, including the prison system? And one person is the um, and like, do they deserve to get their right their rights? Yeah, for the might yeah. The most debatable part is the right to vote. And one person was like, nope, they should not get the right to vote. And, you know, they're in there because, you know, they did something and people should be punished for if they commit a crime. And the two, like, imagine, 13th and um, Just, Mercy. Just Mercy do not talk about how people should be punished. It was more of, like, how the whole American criminal system, justice yeah. system is just is destroying people's lives. Yeah, and even, like, in Just Mercy, like, Brian talks about, like, do we even have the right exactly. to punish people and, like, take away their dignity exactly. as human beings? Exactly, so That was so, the core message of the book, I feel like. Definitely. And even there was, like, one part, he was talking about a person who did commit a crime, but at the same time, like, he was saying, does he, does he deserve to die for that? So I I was shocked mm-hmm. that nothing just that everything just you know flew pa- past him, mm-hmm. and I don't know. Um, so but, if if you don't mind me asking, what was the cultural background of the person who had this opinion? Yeah, uh, of course he was white, Caucasian. Okay. okay. Yeah, typical, typical, typical like mm-hmm. uh, white person that we see. But then at the same time, okay, let me ask a follow follow up questions. Uh, so as like the US tokenizes us. Do you think we tokenize them? That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There is there is a reason why I'm asking this question because obviously we're talking about our own experiences and then we're seeing it from our own lens. But then at the same time, are we doing the same things that we feel is being done onto us? 
Mm, that's a good question. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Why is that? Of course, we do have, like, different experiences. Mm -hmm. Different experiences. But... Do we... T I don't think we treat them unfairly. Mm -hmm. I don't think we talk... No, we tokenize them as... Eh. No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, because I live here now, so no... But no. then while you were there? No, okay. because I think I kept most of the time, because I moved to Seattle for work, and mm -hmm. I think I kept most of the time with Ethiopians. Okay. So, not really. I thought you were just, I don't know, that was really, that, it's their country, so no. Mm. So going back to our topic of this episode, okay. which is dealing with representation, I want to talk a little bit about, um, I guess, the struggles that we face as Ethiopians, because as Ethiopians, I'm going to generalize. I know we don't all share the same experiences growing up in Ethiopia, but mm. we are raised to be proud of our culture. We are raised to speak up. and But then when we go to the U.S., we deal with um, being considered black. But then a lot of times I feel like I struggle, not me personally, but then like the my parents and then my parents' mm -hmm. generation, they struggle to understand the experiences of African-Americans. And so when, when things happen that affect me, like, you know, police br brutality against, you know, black people, mm -hmm. and then I talk about it, that infuriates me. But then they're like, you know, that's not your place. That's not your fight to fight. So how do you find that balance of having your Ethiopian heritage, but then when you're living there, you deal with all of these things that are going on. So how do you find that balance between those two? Ooh, that's actually, that's a hard question to ask. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can find, I don't think there's any right answer for that one. What, what was your experience like, specifically for you? Well, like I said, I, I was there when Trump was elected. Okay. But even, even then, the way I saw the world was different. Even when it, with the liberal white, white American and African Americans, it was different. For me... Like, for instance, let's talk about, if you talk about um, immigration, as an Ethiopian, I do believe there has to be a limit. You can't let everybody in, which will, mm -hmm. this definitely offends a liberal. Mm -hmm. I don't believe poor people should get, just migrate. Mm -hmm. it, it, you can't. There, there has to be a system and a balance. And, but when it comes to specifically being black... Mm -hmm. But then also Ethiopian at the same yeah, time. Yeah, also Ethiopian at the same time mm -hmm. is the first thing that I had to do for me is accept that when um, a white person looks at me, that I'm black. Not an Ethiopian. Nobody cares about that. Nobody's going to ask me for my passport. And some, some, some people don't even know where Ethiopia is. I've had oh, people yeah. ask me, like, is it next to Alaska or... Oh, yeah. Not Alaska, but they, they didn't know... Like, if we were part of Africa, mm -hmm. because they thought Africa was a country as well, so... That's also an issue. That's an issue, but, you know, we will deal with that some other time. Mm -hmm. um, so, getting back, getting back to my point, uh, I think the first thing that you have to do is you have to accept that you're black. Mm -hmm. And, um, I guess, when you... I don't know... I think you can use your Ethiopian, use your Ethiopianism, I guess, mm -hmm. when you're, I don't, I can't really find a good answer for this one, so it's I okay. really I have to think about it, but 
all I can say, I think it's just the balance of everything, but when you're Ethiopian, you know, we're pretty, we, it's, it's hard. I think especially Ethiopian culture, like you just said, because people don't, especially the way we're raised, is that you're free. Never colonized. Never, never been colonized, so, you know, you don't. You don't really, you don't share the, yeah, you don't share the experience. And when you try to be an ally there, sometimes it comes back to bite you because they're like, hey, you've never really experienced that. Mm -hmm. Or like you've never experienced the discrimination, everything. So you don't really understand. Mm -hmm. But I think what you have to do is listen, be part of the movement because it's going to affect you as well, whether you like it or not, if you live there, especially if you live there. Here, maybe not so much. Mm -hmm. But there, I think you just have to listen. Mm -hmm. Just shut up and listen. I think even if you're Ethiopian, we talk too much, I think. (laughs) Seriously, <laughs> we talk too. So well. I think when it comes to this, I mean we're proud. We're p- proud, but mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to just shut up. You nobody have to. Not everybody have to know. Yeah. That yeah. I think you brought up a very important point of like listening to other people, because that's where like you. You learn so much because when you're always talking, you know, because you're always thinking about yourself, this is my experience, this is my story, but then you're missing out on the opportunity to learn something interesting and to like broaden even your imagination and the way of thinking and like changing your point of view by just the simple act of listening to someone. Yeah. So I feel like that's a very, very helpful advice to a lot of international students actually because when you first go there, there are a lot of new things that you face and... A lot of times, at first, like, if you just stop and listen, maybe it might give you time to think about your answers as well. Yeah, definitely. Especially when you're, like, I think when you're an international student, sometimes you're kind of defensive because you're going to be, like, bombarded with a lot of questions. So at one point, you're going to be, I don't know, you think it's going to be, like, a challenge (laughs) to some of your belief system or your identity, like, Mm -hmm. you know, when people are trying to make you feel low. So... We, you kind of will become a little bit loud. Mm-hmm. So tr- just, you know, just try try your best not to become... I think it's annoying, so don't become annoying. I think maybe <laughs> I've done it. I've done it as well. Yeah. But... I mean, it's a very difficult path to go through. Yeah, but uh, there is no right or wrong answer, I think. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just your own path. Yeah. But then another thing I also want to highlight was in school, I felt like, you know, because we're talking about representation... Even if we got these questions that were demeaning or that were ignorant, like, the U.S. also provided a space where we could celebrate our own Ethiopian culture. Because Mm. at school, like, we had the space to cook Ethiopian food, we had the space to showcase our um, traditional dances. And so I feel like those are, like, some of the positive things that the space provides for us to have a little piece of home with us. Yeah, true. I, I never get to experience it because, again, I was in the LLM class, but mm-hmm. the only thing that we did was present my, uh, our culture mm-hmm. and our history and everything back and whatever you want to. But it wasn't for the whole school, for the international students. I see. So <laughs> some of the questions were... Uh, it was... Overall, it was good. Mm-hmm. It was good, but some... Well, I think we, people should be ready to get... Like, after talking about the grand things about your country, people are go- might comment something really dumb. Mm. And the dumbest question that actually came to people, but one person is, I actually, I'm actually going to call him out right now. He asked <laughs> okay. me, seriously, no, because he asked me, uh-huh. maybe Ethiopia didn't have anything, that's why she's not colonized. And guess who came that for? The guess, yeah. And guess who said that? 
Who said that? The only African person inside the room. No and way. I was like, I was very confused, but I didn't want to say anything and just like go into battle. So oh I'm like, God. we have gold. So that was the what? answer. I, we, no. have, we have more than gold. What I know, mean? though. Like, it's just, I was confused. And you kind of don't want to say, like, I, I could have like had a really, really good response. Yeah. But... Not in front of all the people, like, yeah. yeah I don't and sometimes, like, you have to choose your battles. Exactly. Right? The, yeah, this made him look small, not me. So, he, he, okay, I'm just trying to understand what you just said. So, his reasoning was because there was nothing in Ethiopia, the colonizers didn't... They didn't even bother to come. Oh. But they came twice, just FYI. Did you, like, maybe recommend a book for him to read? So no. Nope. Okay. No. So, it was one of those battles that you thought... This Some, is not worth It's tackling. not worth it. But sometimes I think one thing people should really be like, um, should expect is that people, it's not, you would assume it would be someone from the, uh, from like America, mm-hmm. from the US who's going to be asking I mean, us those asking questions. Sw- but no, for me, it was the opposite. It was the majority was from the international students. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think it was the most interesting part of my life. Right? It's, yeah, interesting. Right? I think it changed me. I think it changed me a lot. Same. Yeah. I feel like if I, I did it... I think people should do it. You do? Yeah. Like, even with all the things that we oh, talked yeah, about. travel. Leave your yeah. country for a while. I think it, t- it changes your perspective for sure. Definitely. And for me, what did it was, like, meeting someone from a country that is different from me. Like, yeah. But then we shared some common values. We do. Right? Yeah. And so that was what surprised me so much because we were raised like you know i just didn't think like you could share so much in common with someone you've never met and they're from a different completely like different background but then it's like you form a bond in college and then you share like you know the same struggles and then that's where like you know really beautiful friendships are formed oh yeah definitely yeah definitely i was surprised because i think like i said there wasn't anyone Mm -hmm. but you know i had some of my good friends now from LLM, from my class was from France, mm-hmm. Chile, mm-hmm. Chile, and um, Colombia. Surprisingly, wow. yeah, yeah, and it worked. It worked out fine. Yeah, yeah, and it was surprising because we had like very common values, mm-hmm. as in a, even in our culture, mm-hmm. especially Colombia and Chile. Mm-hmm. Some of the culture, like we did understand each other. Yeah, like the conservativeness in some part of it. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, so as we're wrapping up this um, episode. Is there anything you want to include or add or like specifically an advice that you have for a prospective international student going abroad or anybody who's thinking about study abroad? Okay. Um, First is leave your country. (laughs) (laughs) Just for a while, but come back. Okay. But just go out, experience everything. Stress on the comeback. Okay, come back, <laughs> okay. come back. Yes, uh-huh. and experience everything. Mm-hmm. Say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Not to the best, but the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Say yes to everything. Say yes to everything. Not everything, of course. Like uh-huh. use your mor- moral so what do you moral mean? compass, of course. What do you mean? As in, you challenge know, yourself. go challenge yourself, experience it, meet different people. Don't be afraid. I think just break out of your shell. Mm-hmm. Go meet every... Just just try your best to experience as much as you can. Yeah. And, and be open-minded. Be open-minded. Be flexible. Then after you get all that experience, just come back to your country and, and work here. That's what we <laughs> want. 
Yeah, and then even for me, I feel like what I would say is um, the experiences of international students are multifaceted. They're not the same. It depends, mm-hmm. you know, from each person. Like, we're both from Ethiopia, but we had completely different experiences mm. as international students. So it's really hard to generalize it as one experience. But as you said, um, if you're thinking about it, it's going to be difficult. Like, I'm not going to lie. You know, you're going to face challenges. But at the end of the day, you're going to learn lessons from it. Yeah. That's going to help you down the line. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, because, like, even when, you know, when we were in school, when we were, we, like, as international students, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to excel. Yeah. You know, dealing with family expectations yeah. and all of that. And so it's a lot of layer that plays into it. But then at the end of the day, you get a good education. You meet a lot of people that you would never have met before. Mm-hmm. And so I think it would be a good experience for people to challenge themselves. and then, But also, yeah. as you said, be open-minded because you're going to face a lot of things. Like the things that you have yeah. held to be, you know, true and what you consider normal. Yeah. Is going oh, to shatter when you definitely go. <laughs> that's gonna be challenging and yeah and it's gonna help you to be less angry and anxious. Mm. Explore. I mean, explain more. What do you mean? Well, it's like um, you know, being always rigid. You know, when someone challenges you, you're gonna get a little frustrated. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna change into being angry. So you're yeah. not gonna enjoy any of your experience. So just be open minded. Even, even if you. Th- if you know it's coming from a bad place, just, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to fight on everything. Yeah. If they don't get it, you know, yeah, it's their loss. Because at the end of the day, you're the one who controls your reaction yeah. to things that happen. It's okay. Sometimes it's okay. And I think that's one, yeah, one of the values I think that we learn, like being, living in Ethiopia, I think. Some things you just have to let it go. You can't, you can't fight everything. And with that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we conclude our first episode of the International Youth Podcast. Thank you so much, Makuda, for being my very, very first guest. Um, I hope that a lot of people would, um, you know, learn a lot from our experiences and the stories that we shared. I feel like this would provide um, Mm. a good resource, I would feel like, for, you know, prospective international students. So, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yay! All (laughs) All right. Until next time with another guest and another topic about the international student experience. Bye!